0: I didn't make a title slide for tonight, so you just have to pretend like there's one up there. We've been doing this series through uh, just miracles in the Bible, and I've kind of twisted a little bit in the last couple of weeks. I've been moving into the maybe less traditional, uh, not just turning water into wine, but we talked about the miracle of the cross and the miracle of the incarnation. And today I want to talk about the miracle of community. Really, I'm going to talk about two miracles, but I'll explain that as we go. But I want to. Uh, I'm entitling it "The Miracle of Community." Let me start with this story. the The huge redwood trees are absolutely amazing. You ever seen the pictures of them? You drive cars through them. They have tunnels through them. They're they're massive, massive trees that are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. As a matter of fact, some of them are more than 2,500 years old. They are. Uh, 300 feet high, the largest living things on the earth. They are the tallest trees in the world. And you would think that trees that large would have a tremendous root system that would reach down hundreds of feet into the earth. The, The general principle is when you look at a tree, what you see above the earth is just half of the tree. The rest of that same distance is below the earth. That's the general rule. But In the case of the redwood tree, the redwood has a very shallow root system. The roots of the tree don't get very deep. So you might wonder, how does that shallow root system hold up a 300-foot tall tree, a 2,500-year-old tree? The The way that happens is that the roots of the redwood trees become intertwined with one another. They're tied in with each other. They get interlocked under the ground and when the storm comes and the winds blow the redwood stands not because of its own root system but because it's locked into others and those the, the interlocking with the roots of the other redwoods around it gives it the support that it needs to stand against the storm and so the redwood tree as big and massive and mighty as it is as wonderful an example of God's creative power as it is the redwoods need each other In order to survive, what we're going to talk about this evening is the birth of the church, and really, there are two miracles that occur here. The first is the miracle of salvation, and that's the greatest miracle that God has ever worked. uh, It's a greater miracle than opening the blinded eyes, raising the dead back to life again, making an axe head to float, or turning water into wine amen or 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 saving the 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 harlot Rahab through the 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 red thread that was hung out the window this is the greatest miracle that God ever worked it's the miracle of salvation by the death of one innocent man that lamb of God who hung on the cross at Calvary by that one death God made a way for all men everywhere to be saved, he who was without spot, he who was without blemish, he who had no blame, could have no fault, laid at his feet, that one perfect life was sacrificed, and because it was sacrificed, a multitude who have fault who have blame who are guilty of sin who do live under the condemnation of sin those who are still under the hold of sin those who have done wrong and have transgressed the law of god by the mercy of god because of calvary they can be saved that's the greatest miracle that god ever worked the second miracle is the result of that salvation It is the fellowship of the cross it is the community of the church and through the wonderful experience of salvation we are bound together in a community of faith we stand together amen we fight our battles together we rejoice together we mourn together When one of ours is in need, all of us are in need. Amen. When one of ours is wounded, all of us are wounded. Whenever one of ours is struggling, all of us are standing with them. Amen. Because we need each other to survive. Amen. We need each other to make it. There are no lone rangers in the kingdom of God. Amen. We were made for community. We were made to be knit together. Amen. To come and stand together. So tonight, I want to talk about the miracle of community. But to get there, I've got to talk first about the miracle of salvation because that's what gets you into community. Amen. So let's start back I I I say it this way: You you probably it would be impossible to imagine the emotional whiplash that the the disciples had experienced over the course of seven weeks. First, they watched their Lord, their beloved leader, the one that had walked with them and talked with them and 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 done so much for them that it worked miracles and had blessed. They watched him as he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane and tried overnight and by both uh, corrupt religious leaders and corrupt political leaders, and he was condemned. Death, And they had to process the guilt that they felt for abandoning him in that hour. Whenever they came for him, his disciples melted away into the dark. They ran for fear of their lives and, and only one John followed and he followed from a distance. And they had to deal with the pain, and and Peter in particular has to deal with the guilt of of standing there at the fire and, and denying the Lord Jesus, even as the Lord is being convicted for his sins and for mine. And then they had to watch Jesus Christ suffer on the cross, the indignity and the agony of the crucifixion that must have burned horrible images into their minds. And it was a lot to process. It was a lot to deal with. Then three days later, it all changed. He who was dead was alive again. And oh, how joyful they must have been to to have him suddenly stand in the midst of them in a closed room, uh, amen, must have produced breathless excitement in them, uh, amen. He was back. And for some 40 days, he walked with them again. And he taught them again from the word of God. And he miraculously demonstrated his power. But then there came another day. Another day of both awe and sorrow. As they stood on the Mount of Olives and watched with vanishing hope. As Jesus Christ disappeared in the clouds above. How their hearts must have broken. But piercing through their grief was the final command that the Lord had left them with in Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence and so Jesus had spoken of it previously but now the promise of the Father was upon them it was just a few days away and with that promise he said there would come power Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the other most parts of the earth so an event was about to occur in jerusalem that would provide them with the supernatural power necessary both to live for jesus and to work for him amen it was an event that would give them the ability to live a life that was pleasing unto god and give them the power to evangelize their world with the gospel of jesus christ and it was an event that as it empowered them would also bring them together in community so they gathered in an upper room and they waited for the promise to come And the disciples and all those gathered in that upper room probably expected that when they got there and when they all got assembled and they started their prayer meeting that the Holy Ghost would come. But Brother Donnie, it didn't. It tarried. And they waited there. And the resolve was tested there. And the Spirit of God did not fall on them in the beginning of their prayer meeting. In fact, It took approximately 10 days as they waited for the significant day when the day of Pentecost would be fully come, the most significant day of their lives. Then it finally happened. There's something powerful about those who will commit to pray until an answer comes, no matter how long that may take. Jesus expresses the value of such a determined prayer in the parable of the unjust judge, in which a widow persistently petitioned a magistrate that she would be avenged of her adversary. And the Bible is very plain. The judge was not necessarily moved by her case, but he granted her petition because she worried him so much and he didn't want her bothering him anymore. Amen? And Jesus uses that as an example of the way we should pray now now our judge is not unjust And we don't have to overcome his reluctance to answer our prayers. But he's not always going to move right when we ask him to move. And we are encouraged in the Word of God to do exactly what the disciples had to do in that upper room. uh, Amen. To continue in prayer until the promise comes. Not to give up. Not to pack up. Not to turn our back and say, well, I tried and it didn't work. Uh, Amen. I don't know how many people went into that upper room with the disciples i don't know how many gathered there on that first day i can tell you that there were 500 who saw him caught up into the heavens what a miracle they watched Jesus ascend into the heavens, and then as they were watching, they heard the voice of these two angels who said, Why stand ye here gazing into the sky? Amen? This same one is going to come again. And so they, they've seen these miraculous things occur. You've got to imagine that all 500 went to the upper room. Amen? Amen? The biblical record doesn't tell us how many first entered that upper room, but it is appropriate to assume there were more than 120. But over the ten days that they had to tarry there, doubtless some grew weary, some grew tired, some began to doubt, and many departed. They remembered some job that needed to be done, some task around the house they were leaving undone, some some obligation that they had, something that they let their doubt and their their they finally just started thinking it's it's never going to happen. We've been after all we've been here praying for nine days. I mean the Lord said go and wait and we've been waiting. What's he waiting on? And so w- we can't know how many started, and we can't know how many missed out on that initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost because of their impatience, because of their doubt, because of their unwillingness to linger in prayer until it came to pass. Neither can we know how many miracles have been forfeited through the years because individuals would not stay faithful to their prayer until the answer came. How many have walked away? How many have let it go? How many have said, well, I tried and it didn't work? Mm-hmm. Those who continued in that upper room testified to us that if we're going to receive the promise of God, we have to continue faithfully in prayer. Amen? Amen. The Feast of Pentecost, or what the Jewish people call the Shabbat, occurs in the 50th day after the Passover. Not only was this a time when the people of Israel would rejoice and give thanks for the incoming summer wheat harvest, but it was also a time for remembrance. They believed it was the exact time that God gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. So they celebrated the law and they they celebrated this law that was written on tablets of stone that contained the instructions for their life. That's what the Feast of Pentecost was about. Pentecost means first fruits. They celebrated the wheat harvest. They celebrated the first fruits. And then they also celebrated the law, the Feast of Tabernacles and Feast of Pentecost are together at the same time. And they celebrate the harvest and they celebrate the giving of the law. And it's notable That God chose that day to write a new law. He who had taken tablets of stone and with his own finger had written in them ten commandments to govern the life of humanity. Now took his same finger and wrote upon the hearts of men. As he filled them with his spirit. Amen. On that feast day when the streets of Jerusalem were crowded with the participants of, of this annual celebration. God did something he had never done before. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 16 Jesus uh, tells us that this is the covenant that I will make with them after these days, saith the Lord. I will put my law into their hearts, and in their mind will I write them. Amen. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. It was a new commandment. It was a new law. Amen. It was the same moral principle, but instead of being written on some tablet of stone somewhere outside, it was written on the very heart of man. Amen. Amen. And so Acts chapter 2 records it when the day, beginning of verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Uh, What it must have been like, uh, amen, to be there with them, what it would have been like to hear that sound. Uh, Amen. It probably started as a distant rumble that soon became a roar. It sounded like a windstorm. Uh, It sounded like that that windstorm that's so common to that part of the world. Uh, But though their ears rang with the intensity of the sound uh, of a mighty rushing wind, uh, there was no dust blowing by. The trees were not swaying. Uh, The sky didn't turn black. Uh, There was just a sound of a ferocious, mighty, rushing wind. And it kept getting closer and closer until it seemed that it was actually inside the room with them. And can you imagine the looks on their faces when a visible representation of the Spirit in the form of tongues of fire appeared over each and every one of their heads? And in that instant... 120 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, as they began to speak in other tongues, as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance uh, or the ability to do that. Amen. It didn't come from them. It wasn't a language they learned in their youth and had forgotten. It wasn't something that, that they got by education. It wasn't something they got by man's knowledge. The Spirit imparted to them. It filled them with, with, the, with the power and the anointing of God. And the evidence of it was the fact that you could hear the sound. Amen. When a newborn baby is born, you know that everything is well when that doctor slaps that baby on the butt and you hear a cry. When life comes, you hear a sound. Amen. And they begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. That was the promised new birth that Jesus had spoken of to Nicodemus when he said a man must be born of water hand of the spirit Uh, this was the indwelling comforter that he had promised to disciples in john chapter 16 and verse 7 nevertheless i tell you the truth it is expedient for you that i go away for if i go not away the comforter will not come unto you but if i depart i will send him unto you and the identity of that comforter was no mystery to them Uh, amen Just as Jesus had promised uh, this was the very spirit uh, of Jesus himself uh, who had come to dwell in them. Jesus said in John 14 and 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you, not another. I'm not going to send another, amen, but I'm going to come. That Holy Spirit, uh, that Spirit of God, uh, that Saint Spirit that indwelt the man, Christ Jesus, uh, that's the Spirit that filled them on the day of Pentecost, amen? It was an incredible experience. And that group in the upper room that received the Holy Ghost for the very first time was absolutely ecstatic. They were moved by the experience and they were not quiet about it. In fact, their exuberation attracted the attention of the throngs of people in the street. They rejoiced and they shouted and they danced and they stumbled about like drunk men. And word began to spread through the city in a matter of moments. Uh, and Thousands of people gathered around that building uh, to behold the spectacle of these who were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And what they found there was extremely confusing and even troubling to them. They encountered a group of men and women who were speaking in an assortment of languages, uh, languages that they understood. For The people who gathered in the streets below were a a multinational mass of people from all over the world. And Acts chapter 7 and verse 12 says, and they are, Acts chapter 2 and verse 7, I'm sorry. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, behold, are not all these which speak Galileans. Uh, and how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. Amen. These are men from Galilee. They don't know our languages. Uh, how is it that we hear them speaking in another tongue? Parthians and Medes and Elamites uh, and the dwellers of Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia, and Pamphylia in Egypt and in the parts of Libya around Cyrene and the strangers Rome. And Jews and proselytes and Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongue. And we know what they're saying. They're declaring the wonderful work of God. God. Uh, Amen. They're not just babbling incoherently. uh, Amen. What they're doing uh, is declaring the praise uh, of an almighty God. uh, Amen. You may not be able to understand it, uh, but the Holy Ghost has moved upon them and the words that are coming out of their mouth uh, are words of worship. And they were all amazed and were in doubt saying to one another, What meaneth this? Never seen anything like this before. Never been exposed to anything like this before. What does it mean? God's purpose on that day was much greater than just filling 120 believers with the Holy Ghost. He was calling, folks, from many different cultures, from many different walks of life, from many different backgrounds and ethnicities to come together into community. And on that day, the community of the cross was born from a vast multitude of people with widely different backgrounds and heritages and histories and even ethnicities. They were strangers from all over the world. They didn't have anything in common. They spoke a broad variety of native languages, and and, and God was calling them into community. He was calling them into a body called the church. Uh, Amen. But before I get there, we got to tell what happened with Peter, because you see, a very significant event had happened in Peter's life uh, just a few days before, after he, after Jesus asked, who do men say that I am, Uh, and the disciples had ventured their, their multiple answers of who men said that he was Peter said thou art the son of God Uh, amen and Jesus said uh, and flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you but my father which is in heaven Uh, amen this is a revelation Uh, and he said in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18 and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter and upon this rock uh, I will build my church uh, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it uh, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven uh, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on the earth shall be bound in heaven uh, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on the earth uh, shall be loosed in heaven and when the multitude of fascinated people gathered around that building that had an upper room Peter with the other 11 disciples heard them asking What does this mean? And Peter stepped into his divine authority, the divine destiny that God had given to him, and he began to preach to the crowd. He first declared that what they were seeing and hearing was the direct fulfillment of the prophecy of the prophet Joel. In Joel chapter 2 and verse 28, Peter quoted it in his message. He said, and it shall come to pass afterward. That I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. He then preached about the identity and deity of Jesus Christ proclaiming his resurrection and then he confronted them with the fact that they had been collectively responsible for his death and their hearts were convicted and they were overwhelmed by both the preaching of the word and the very obvious miracle that was taking place before them and so they said to him men and brethren what shall we what are we gonna do what do we need to do how do we reconcile this how how can we be saved from this condemnation and then Peter to whom Jesus had given the keys to the kingdom. Uh, Amen. He boldly declared to them. uh, Jesus said, whatever you bind, I'll bind. Uh, And whatever you loose, I'll loose. Uh, And Peter said, I'm going to fling open the door of heaven. Uh, And God said, I'm going to stand right beside you and let it be. Amen. So Peter said unto them, repent uh, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ uh, for the remission of sins. And you you shall receive the gift of, of the Holy Ghost. Repent. Be baptized, every one, not some of you. Not you can repent of your sins, and if you want to be baptized, you can go a step further. That's not what he said, my friend. He said, repent uh, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name uh, of Jesus Christ. Uh, If you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, uh, you need to get in a baptistry and let a preacher put you down in the only saving name. There's only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved and it's not father and it's not son and it's not Holy Ghost the name is Jesus and he said if you repent of your sins and if you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and from that time until today when convicted men and women ask what they need to do in order to an- experience the miracle of salvation, the answer is still the same. Repent and be baptized, to every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Not you might, uh, not you could, not it happens to some people and not it's just a Pentecostal experience. No, my friend. He said if you repent of your sins uh, and you baptize in His name, it don't matter what you call yourself. uh, If you're honest and sincere with God uh, and you repent of your sins uh, and you baptized in his name he's going to fill you with his spirit Peter went on to assure them that this promise was not just for them but it was for everyone who would ever hear or read about that day they all receive the same invitation Acts chapter 2 and verse 39 for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The baptism of the Holy Ghost was not simply a gift that was, was reserved for those on that day of Pentecost when it first was poured out. Uh, it was a gift and a promise that was extended to all generations to come, including ours and the Holy Ghost. Is how God brings the church together into community. When Peter completed his message, the response was amazing. The miracle of new birth began to spread immediately from the 120 in the upper room to thousands who heard and obeyed Peter's instructions. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, it says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Uh, Amen. Souls were added to the church uh, when they became a part of that community of believers. uh, Amen. And they were added by obeying the words of Peter, by repenting and by being baptized in the name of Jesus. And by receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, and today souls are still added to the church in the same way. Amen. Amen. Conviction over sin has to compel com- compel an individual to honestly seek answers. They must hear and respond to the preaching of the Word of God. They must receive the Word as delivered unto them and then respond to it in obedience. And they have to repent uh, of their sins. Uh, they have to be baptized uh, in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, and they will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Just like those 3,000 and the 120 did on the day of Pentecost. The balance of the book of Acts records that this message of salvation and the miracle of the Holy Spirit infilling spread rapidly and broadly across the known world. In addition to the 3,000 that were added on the day of Pentecost, we have record in the book of Acts of 5,000 more being added just a few days later. And then we're told in Acts chapter 5 and verse 14 of multitudes of men and women being added to the church and then when we get to Acts chapter 17 and verse 6 whenever Paul and the others arrived in Thessalonica those who opposed them described them as being a part of those who had turned the world uh, upside down uh, by preaching Jesus uh, by preaching this message uh, of repentance of sins uh, and baptism in the name of Jesus uh, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost when you find Paul in Acts chapter 19 19, encountering the disciples of John the Baptist, uh, the first question he asked them is have you received the Holy Ghost uh, since you believed? Uh, And they said we haven't even heard, so much as heard, if there be any Holy Ghost. Uh, And he said then how were you baptized? Uh, And they said we were baptized under John's baptism. And he began to preach to them straightway the need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, And he put them down in the water and he laid his hands on them. Uh, and they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Uh, and they spoke with other tongues uh, as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. That's the Bible, my friend. The best news of all of that is that that miracle is still happening. The miracle of salvation is not limited to just that time period in history across the world today. In, in countries flung to the far corners of the earth. The same message that Peter preached is still being preached. And and and, and people are repenting of their sins. They're being baptized in the lovely name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and they're being filled with the baptism uh, of the Holy Ghost. Uh, amen. It's happening all over the world. Uh, scholars estimate that the number of spirit-filled believers worldwide is possibly 500 million or more. The fastest growing religious movements in the world are Pentecostal movements. Uh, people that experience the gift of uh, of the outpouring uh, of the Holy Ghost all over our globe. Uh, mission efforts uh, are seeing the perpetual results uh, of preaching the same message uh, that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost uh, when the miracle of the Spirit was first poured out. Tonight, on this Wednesday night, in churches all around our world, people whose lives are empty and messed up, who are desperately bound to sin, will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ preached. And some will obey. And they'll repent of their sins. And they'll be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. There won't be the sound of a mighty rushing wind. And there there probably won't be tongues of fire that'll sit on them. But every single one of them will begin to speak in another language uh, as the Spirit of God gives them the utterance. uh, Because Pentecost is not just a memory. uh, It's an ongoing reality in the lives of millions of people alive right now. The fire that began to burn in the upper room is still burning around the world in 2018. And that's the miracle of salvation. It's a miracle that continues even today. It's a miracle that is promised to you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. But it wasn't easy to follow Jesus in the first century. Times were tough. And persecution was rampant. And it, it, was a, it was a perilous time. And it was a difficult and dangerous thing to become a follower of Jesus. But those early believers were bound together in the fellowship of the cross. The common experience of salvation, the common experience of having been washed uh, in the blood of Jesus, baptized in the name of Jesus, and filled with the Spirit of Jesus, uh, united them uh, into a community, uh, the community of the redeemed. Uh, And that community that is the church uh, was more than just a coming together of like minded believers, it was more than just a a social club. Uh, it was more than just a group who gathered once a week to encourage one another amen it was a, it was a it was a tightly knit family amen the family of god the body of christ in this earth uh, and they lived and they supported one another and they strengthened one another and yes they encouraged one another in the lord amen, amen. hebrews chapter 10 Verse 23 says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. So that's what we're called to do. Hold on to the faith and don't don't waver. Don't give up. Don't back up. Don't turn around because he that promised or he is faithful that promised. And then verse 24 says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. I come to tell somebody in this house uh, on a Wednesday night, we need each other. We need each other. The miracle of community is that you don't stand by yourself. Uh, The miracle of community is you don't fight your battles by yourself. Uh, You need the church, uh, and the church needs you. Uh, Amen. We need each other. Uh, One way that we hold fast Uh, the profession of our faith without wavering uh, is by provoking one another to love and good works. Uh, Amen. That word provoke uh, carries the sense uh, of coming alongside someone to encourage them. Uh, as Christians uh, we all struggle from time to time. There's going to be discouragement. There's going to be temptation. There's going to be apathy and failure and materialism. You're going to deal with unbelieving family and friends. There are going to be doubts uh, and rejections uh, and you're going to have unanswered questions uh, and you're going to face a lot of obstacles in your walk with God. Uh, but if you're going to make it to heaven one day, you're going to make it because you're not alone in this fight Uh, you're not alone in this journey Uh, amen thank God uh, for the miracle of community thank God uh, for the body of Christ uh, that comes together Uh, we stand together we fight together and we lift each other up yes we're running a race but we're not running alone when I am weak My brother is strong. When I am down, my brother picks me up. And somewhere along the way, it'll be his time to be discouraged. And I'll come alongside him and provoke him to love and good works. We're running this race, but we're not running it alone. I I don't have the notes in front of me, but... How many are familiar with the Tour of France, the, the race that uh, Mr. Armstrong won? So, we, Do you understand that when that racer takes that, that track to compete in that race, that there's a team of cyclists who race with him? None of them are trying to win the race. They're just there to assist the man who's going to win the race. Whenever he gets tired, they pull out in front of him and they... They, they take the, the, the brunt of the wind and, and create a little funnel for him to get in behind them and draft a little while and rest. And, and they, they ride alongside of him, and they encourage him, and they strengthen him. And if he falls, they're there to help him back up. Uh, amen. I want you to understand, when we're in this race, uh, we're not in this thing alone. Uh, we're not fighting this battle by ourselves. Uh, amen. This is a community thing. This is a together thing. This is a body thing. This is a family of Jesus Christ thing. Uh, amen we stand together we that's why we can come alongside sister heckles uh, and help her in hour of need because we're the church this is what we do amen god has ordained that each and every one of us plays a vital part in each other's faith for that reason we're commanded in hebrews 10 and 25 not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together Go to church. That's what that says. Go to church. Because when you go to church, you can be encouraged and you can be an encourager. When you go to church, amen, you can exhort one another. And he said, as you see the day approaching, as you recognize the end is coming, all the more you need to go to church because you need The community. You need the fellowship of believers. A few winters ago, a heavy snow hit North Carolina. Following a wet six-inch snowfall, one reporter marveled at the effect of the snow along the I-40 corridor. Next to the highway, he wrote, there were several large groves of tall, young, healthy pine trees. And the branches were bowed down heavy with the snow, so low that the branches from one tree were often leaning against the trunk or the branches of another tree. But collectively, they held up the weight of the snow. But then he said, I'd come upon these sections where the trees stood alone. And the effect of the heavy snow was different there. The branches had become heavier and heavier with the snow until finally they snapped or the tree folded and bent over. It totally devastated that tree, uh, amen, because it was all by itself. Listen, when the storms of life hit, you need to be standing close to those of like precious faith. When trouble comes, you need to be standing close to people who can... Support you and help you and pray you through your struggle amen the the time a lot of people the last the, the the time when they least want to come to church is when they're in the most trouble that's the that's exactly backwards. The time you most need to be at church is when you're in the most trouble. Swallow your pride and tell somebody. I need you to pray for me. I'm having a struggle in my life. If I if I, God doesn't move, I'm going to lose out. I, I need you to pray for me because your brother or your sister—they're not going to run and tell everybody what you said. They're not going to go down to the corner and say, you know, oh yeah. Let me tell you what brother so and so said. He's just on the verge of backslide. No, no, no. They're going to take it to the Lord in prayer and they're going to lift you up and you. are going to be encouraged, uh, and you're going to be strengthened, uh, amen, and you're going to grow in your faith, and then later on you're going to do the same thing for somebody else. That's the miracle of community. God has knit us together from various backgrounds and different walks of life. We've been brought together by a common salvation experience. We've been filled with the Spirit. And he has fitly framed us together in a community of faith, interlocking, intertwining, a community that supports one another, a community that provokes one another to love and good works, a community that prays for each other, a community that er encourages each other, amen, a community that together one day is going to walk on streets of gold. This is the church. This is the miracle of community. Why don't you stand with me?